Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week we talk about our ongoing thesis and that is digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. What exactly does that mean? We are a barbecue brand that turned into a media brand. How did we do that? We did that on the backs of our smartphone. So we teach smartphone storytelling and even more importantly, we bring people on that are playing the game within the game. People that are not afraid of the digital playgrounds. There's so many different apps that are available for free for your business, for your message, for your marketing, for your branding. How do you use those things? How do you embrace the game within the game? How do you use direct messaging to actually build business, create opportunities that other people aren't creating? Um, That's why we put on this podcast. We bring on people that inspire us, people that we want to learn from and people that we want to ask questions of. Today's guest is somebody who I am a huge fan of. I just um, recently, as you guys know, those who listen to the podcast, last couple episodes, I've been talking about Clubhouse and how excited I am about Clubhouse house. We started a digital hospitality room within Clubhouse so that we can interact with you, the fans, um, every single Friday at 2 p.m. We put on that room so that anyone listening to this podcast can have a space. You can claim your page, come on, come up on stage, ask questions of me, my team, Ian, my writer, Stover, my producer, Toby, our strategist, Kyle, who does our websites, Aaron, who does our video. Uh, Basically, we want to share all the secrets of why we do what we do and all the opportunities that we've created um, by doing it. Today's guest is Guy Clark. Guy Clark, I found on Clubhouse. Um, Instagram handle is guy at guyeats239. He is the founder of Sizzle Dining, but Guy is the Cal Ripken Jr. of Clubhouse. I could not believe I am a content machine, somebody that absolutely loves content, loves every digital platform available to him. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on TikTok. But when I got on Clubhouse, the name that kept popping up, the moderator that keeps showing up was Guy Clark. And he is a, a true gift to restaurant marketing, a true gift to the hospitality business. And I'm honored to have him on today's show. Guy, welcome to Digital Hospitality. Hey, welcome. And thank you so much for that introduction. I uh, I love it. I think it's uh, such an honor to be named after somebody who has such an amazing <laughs> stellar reputation like that um, within baseball to, you know, always be showing up. So thank you for that. Um, thank you for that. That's awesome. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's one of those things that isn't talked about a lot, but so much of life, you know, 90% of life is showing up. And when you do show up, how do you show up? Um, one of the things I love about clubhouse is it's an audio platform and it allows you to find topics that are compelling to you and add value or ask questions of people that might have answers. And I've been in some incredible rooms in the last week to two weeks. And I want to ask you why, why clubhouse? Why clubhouse? Um, I guess to answer that, I have to kind of tell you the story of how I got on and how it evolved, because that's really the answer for it. So back in well, last year, um, probably around November or something, I kept hearing October, November, I kept hearing, you know, oh, are you on Clubhouse? Are you on Clubhouse from from certain people in the industry? And I was like, oh, another app and the pandemic. And, you know, last thing I needed was really another time suck. And uh, it just it kept coming up. And then in December, Michael Steltzer from Social Media Marketing World wrote a story about Clubhouse, uh, a post about Clubhouse. And I was like, okay, if Mike's on board, I'm going to come on board because he knows what he's doing. And I trust that brand explicitly. Um, I love going to Social Media Marketing World. They have their conference out in San Diego and stuff. And and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go look and see what this is. So December 21st, I think I got on. Um, a friend of mine invited me, and for the first couple of days, I listened in, and I was like, oh, human contact. This is amazing. It's what we've been missing. And so I listened and listened. And honestly, it's 
quite addicting um, because if you're if you're a, a sponge like I am and like to take in information, there were people talking about quantum physics. There were people talking about history. There were people talking about crypto and NFTs and marketing, of course, a little bit here and there. But nobody was really talking about restaurant marketing. And so I was like, okay, this is interesting. And on my fourth day, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my own room, but I don't want to do a serious room. I want to do a fun room because I want it to be loose and, and, and relaxed. So I started a room called is cereal soup. And (laughs) it went viral. My fourth day on the app, it went viral. It was insane. It was just, we had probably hundreds of people in the room. I I forgot what the total number was, but I had no clue what I was doing. And luckily this guy, Elijah came into the room early and people are screaming. I'm just letting everybody on stage. Right. I don't know how to use the app. I'm just, yeah, come on up on stage. Let's go. Luckily the conversation stayed seriously about is cereal soup. There was talk about, um, uh, and, and all sorts of things. And, and people were Googling it and coming up with why it couldn't be and why it could be. And, and, and then with, you know, a couple hundred people on stage now and the screaming is going on and the talking and, and people are screaming like, um, reset the room, reset the room. And, and I'm DMing Elijah in the background saying, what the frick is D what reset the room? Mean? Do I boot everybody out? What is yeah. that? Like, make me a mod and I'll fix it. And I was like, how do you make you mod? And yep. I made mod. He fixed it all up. We organized it all up and we had like a five hour room. And then some famous people started coming in and the numbers got bigger and bigger. And that got me hooked. That was like, wow, there's power here. There's, a, there's people here. So then I re- do you remember how many followers you went from, from that first couple of days to hosting that first cereal soup room? After that cereal soup room, I had well over 1500 followers from one. Unbelievable. One room. It, it was, I think I'm at 4,000 and change right now. And it literally took me from here to there because of that room. And then the next night I threw another room called, um, it was, uh, onion rings or just vegetable donuts. Fight me. So uh, then the next night I threw another room. It was something like um, um, hot dogs are just bologna. Uh, no, um, uh, bologna is just hot dog pancakes. So those funny foodie kind of things, right? Yeah. And I got to meet a ton of people. And that set me off as saying, okay, it's okay to speak. It's okay to have some fun. I'm meeting some people. I'm I'm learning some things. And then I said, okay, you know, I saw these people have clubs. And so I requested a club and that's when I said, okay, what do I want to do with this? What do I want to, you know, take my voice, my power. And I asked for restaurant marketing because I wanted something, you know, within my niche, but I didn't want it to be like guys, restaurant marketing. I just wanted sure. to be restaurant marketing. They gave me the club literally within seven days. And this was back when you had to apply for it. And um, I started my first room talking about uh, email stuff. And then I went into Google my business and just started talking about things I knew about. And the answer to your question really from that transition was as I started doing these rooms, I realized, wow, I really do have knowledge inside of me because there's that imposter syndrome. I ran a marketing company specializing just in restaurants, chefs, and food events. And so you know what you're doing. You have the knowledge. You you feel you've got it. Companies are paying you. But do you really have the knowledge? You know what I'm saying? I mean, are you just, just, you know, doing what you got to do? And, you know, we also had a team of people that we hired that know what they're doing. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in hiring people smarter than myself, surrounding myself with people smarter than myself. So there's that imposter syndrome. And then with Clubhouse, doing these rooms and getting the feedback was like, wow, I have a, I have a talent. I have a voice. I have a, I can help. And it just snowballed into one more room and one more room and one more room. And then somebody reached out and said, Hey, can I do a room in your club? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I know the person and yeah, come on over, do this one. And I asked another one, do you want to do a room? And it just, it kind of exploded and grew from there. And so I guess the answer really was why clubhouse was it started out as just, Hey, there's people here we can talk to. We're in lockdown. I can meet interesting people and hear interesting topics to like, wow, I can help people. I have knowledge inside of me that I can give and make their lives better, their businesses better. I don't sell anything on Clubhouse. 
I don't, I don't pitch anything on clubhouse. I don't take any money from anybody. I don't ask for any money for anybody. It's all give, give, give. And that's kind of how my life has been really. I like to give and um, clubhouse just really fit that perfectly. So it's been fun ever since. Can you explain the basics of the app? You know, just walk somebody that doesn't know what clubhouse is. Um, yeah. What is that, that app? Yeah. It's like, um, it's like a, a, an old school chat room, but where we used to type everything and a bunch of people were in there typing, but it's our voices. So it's a bunch of people. It's an audio only app where people go and they can either listen or they can contribute. They can do a little both. And, um, there's a bunch of different in clubhouse. There's a bunch of different rooms and each room is based on whatever topic the room creator wants to talk about. So there's everything from, uh, like I said before, quantum physics to history, to NFTs, to, to marketing, to shoot your shot rooms. And then the funny rooms. And it's a very interesting app. I, I find it to be, um, you get out of it, what you put into it really. Can you tell me about the club, uh, the clubhouse town halls? Well, those are cool. On Sundays at 12 o'clock Eastern, um, the founders of the app come out every Sunday and talk about what's happening within the app, what updates they're going to be putting out, what um, new things have been happening, what the community has been doing and talking about. And it's one of the only apps that I've seen the founders continually take the time to be able to, to chat about the app and to answer questions um, about what's happening. You can write in your, or your questions and then they'll get, try and get to, to as many as they can and answer them. And what have been some of the highlights? Uh, obviously, the first room that you, the the serial room, is a highlight. But yeah. um, just for you, you personally, any any highlight stories of of relationships you've developed on the app? I mean, we we met on the app, so you're you're officially one of my clubhouse friends. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um. I mean, wow. Highlights. Well, I mean, Elon Musk came onto the app, and were you that in the was, room? Did you get in the room? I was got, got lucky, and uh, how many? What did it cap out at? Five thousand or more? I think when Elon uh, initially rooms were like two thousand, and then I think they went to five thousand, and I think they're at eight thousand now. I can't remember what it was when Elon came on. It was pretty early in the app. I think it was back at two thousand because I remember in the hallway there were seven or eight um breakout rooms where one person's in the original room and then they're feeding their audio into a second room so all those extra overflow people got it here i think it was at 2000 back in that day don't quote me and there were people live blogging people were live blogging his answers yeah yeah there was there's videos on youtube you can search elon musk clubhouse and you can hear the whole interview but the cool thing was that if any of you are stock traders, stonks, um, you remember back when Robinhood kind of had a little problem there. Um, Elon, at the end of his interview, brought in Vlad, the founder of Robinhood, for an impromptu, we had no clue this was going to happen interview, yeah. and asked him some hard questions. And uh, I wish he would have followed up a little harder, but he, but at least he asked a couple hard questions and that made my night because it's like that as a stock trader, every, all of us were saying, you know, we wanted those questions asked. And so it was nice that Elon asked. So that was one, the cereal room, all the funny food rooms are always good, but I think it's, um, it's really meeting cool people like you, Sean. Troy and Sean and Michael Fox and just meeting all of these really cool people that have that's made the the biggest profound um, impact on me from this app. Instagram's nice. Facebook's nice. Twitter's nice. Um, I, I was a beta tester for Twitter. I actually met my wife on Twitter in 2000. No way. Get out of here. You met yeah. your wife on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Oh, share. We're that's, still happily married. So. I need a Twitter, Twitter marriage, happily ever after story. <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah. love Twitter. I talk about Twitter all the time on this podcast. People yeah. know some of the greatest friends and relationships I've built have been because of Twitter. I didn't meet my wife on Twitter, so I, I got to hear this story. 
Well, um, it was 2008. I had moved down from New York to Florida. Um, I used to own the distribution rights for Martin's Potato Bread, if you're familiar with that brand. No. So uh, I had the distribution rights down here in Southwest Florida. I had trucks out on the road delivering, you know, all the grocery stores and uh, just trying to find people to meet down here. And so I jumped on Twitter, which was relatively new. It started in 2006 when I was a beta tester and then um, 2008. Eight, I was saying, okay, let me find some some friends. So I went on and did a search for you know Naples, Florida area where I'm at and stuff, and came across this one profile uh, profile, and um, it had two girls in the picture, and um, she was local, and I honestly was was hoping that the person whose account was the girl on the left, and so I wrote her and I said, hey, which one are you? You know, nice to meet you. This is a DM, right? You didn't publicly tweet that. You didn't. You slid into the DMs. All right. And you um, still have that, right? You've screenshotted that. That's still there. Yep. The first love note. I asked her and she wrote me back and said, you know, I'm the one on the left. And I was like, oh, hey, hi. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Something like that. Right. And, um, you know, just you're tweeting and then in a tweet or something like that, she was like, you know, Oh, what movie should I watch or something? You know, those tweets go. And, uh, you know, I said, Oh, this and that I'll come over and watch a movie with you or something. I forgot exactly what it was. And she wrote me back and said, you did this publicly. uh, So she's publicly tweeting publicly. And you publicly said you, you publicly said you'd go, go see the movie with her, watch a movie with her. Right. And she publicly got back to me and said, Oh, I have a boyfriend. Ah, like, Oh, Okay. No. Okay. I respect that. Whatever. I backed away and we were just Twitter friends. Months Did you have notifications by. on? Yeah, of course. I knew, I knew every tweet. Look at that. See, I, I knew I liked you. Even an Not- Notifications. That little bell can be such a, such a blessing for people. If you, yep. if you find someone, something, someone you're, you care about a brand, you care about someone you want to yeah. work with a charity organization, turn the bell on, find out what they're, what they care about. That's yeah. their heartbeat. That's their digital heartbeat. It is. And you're never going to miss anything. Clubhouse has the same thing with their new rooms that they're, you know, putting out. You can click the bell on for Clubhouse and get notified every time, a, a you know, that particular room is going live. Yep. I have found that indispensable. I, I can't live without that because yep. there's so many great rooms going on. I can't keep adding them to the calendar all the time. Correct. The calendar behind me would be just filled. So you can do it for uh, the rooms and for a speaker. So somebody correct. like Anytime guys in a room, I get notified. And if I can yeah. make it, I jump in. So that's a, it's a great tip. Yep. So long story short. Um, no, I like the long story. I don't want to, sh- I, I don't want to short story. This is a Twitter, a Twitter love story. This is, I've been looking for this. This is, <laughs> this is why I do the podcast. It's amazing. Okay. okay. Your wife on Twitter. Yeah. Have you so, written an article? Uh, you need to write a medium article about that. It's phenomenal. I wish Twitter would have paid for my wedding. That they great. should have. <laughs> so um, I tweeted uh, months go by and, uh, you know, we're still tweeting and retweeting and, you know, nothing crazy. Um, I, I'm a gentleman. I respect that she had a boyfriend. I didn't want to, you know, do it's not me. So I wrote, um, we had a, a big DJ coming into town. And so I wrote a tweet saying, hey, anybody else going to see Tiesto Monday night? Tiesto? Yeah, nice. yes. So she yeah. wrote back and said, Hey, I'm going. And I was like, Oh, hey, I'll see you there. Is your boyfriend gonna be there? And she's like, Oh, I don't have a boyfriend anymore. Oh hello. Oh, were you were you doing something for the event or were you just going to the event? I was just going to the event. Okay. Some friends of mine were throwing the event. And, okay. Um, I was just going to the event. That's so a big we, that's a big event to be throwing. It is, it is. Yeah. So we uh we made the, you know, hey, I'll be there, hey, I'll be there. And you know, this was great, I was gonna meet her and da-da-da. And I got friends who run the event, so we I was gonna take her backstage and it's good to know sad, event producers. Sadly, my one of my drivers for the Martin's Potato Bread route called in that night. No. And guess guess who had to go one o'clock in the morning and go run the route no. until twelve o'clock the next day. So I think I had her phone number at the time. Yeah, I think I got her phone number by then uh, because of that whole Tiesto thing. And But somehow I, I, I alerted her and I, hey, I can't make it tonight. And, um, you know, real sad, da, 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 but do you want to go for coffee the next day and let's chat and let's meet? I'll meet you, you know, I get done with my route, blah, 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 and I'll meet you over at the Starbucks. And um, 
she never lets me live that moment down that I missed the Tiesta. <laughs> she went and I didn't. Um, oh, she did her, go. She, you she did hook her up. Going. Yeah. She yeah. wasn't going to miss Tiesta. No. So uh, she went. I didn't go. And the next day when I got off of work at like 11 o'clock in the morning, because, you know, you, you deliver the bread early in the morning, etc. We met at a Starbucks and she doesn't even like coffee. But that's how, you know, she was cool enough. So she met me there and we've literally been together every day since. That's incredible. This was 2009. She officially asked her to marry me October 2009. And we got married in September 2012. That is amazing. Yep. What an amazing story. It was crazy. All on I'm going to be using your story now when I tell people, well, why should I be on Twitter? You <laughs> might find your soulmate on Twitter. <laughs> you <laughs> might not on the digital playground. You're not going to find somebody. You might. I mean, on Clubhouse, they had a Clubhouse wedding already. Really? Yeah. I mean, when surprising. you're voice, it's so powerful. Like this podcast, when voice is so powerful, you can really hear the inflection and, and feel the emotion from people. I would not be surprised. There's a lot of love going on in Clubhouse. A lot of, sure. you know, a lot of, a lot of connecting. In one well, way. that's, I mean, to, to be honest with you, it's the essence of, it's the magic. It's the digital alchemy. It's the things that connect us. It's the technology bringing humans together in ways that they never would have been together before. You know, yes. the fact that somebody that we have people in multiple different countries around the globe that listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it's fascinating to me that we can put something on that adds value to their life, but then build a true human connection, knowing that if somebody's listening to this podcast, they know that if they come to San Diego, I will make it a point to drop everything I'm doing, go to the restaurant, give them a VIP tour of the master smokehouse, the media center we're building, because I'm grateful that they're spending time learning with us. I mean, every single week I get to learn, I get to ask questions of people that are doing incredible things. So I, I want to get back to Clubhouse because I've respect so much of the platform that you've built and how you run your rooms. Can you give tips on how to build a club in Clubhouse? Mm, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So tips on running a club or building a club. Um, well, the first thing that I would recommend is if you're going to open up a club to if you already know what your passion is and if you already you know know what your your genre or your business is then the name of the club is really important because keep in mind that this is how people are going to find it so it really wouldn't be good if it was you know mr bob's widdly woogie widget store like that's not searchable so keep it simple stupid keep it short keep it easy concise you know, ask yourself, what are my listeners going to be searching to find this content? And that's what you should name the club or something very similar and close to that. That that helps you with the overallness. When I started mine, I just called it restaurant marketing because I wanted it to be just very clear and restaurant marketing. They didn't yeah. need to have my name in it or anything like that. It was really, I was trying to build, I wanted to build a, a place for all of us in the restaurant marketing to collectively get together and talk about it. It wasn't about me. So that would be one thing. Um, then the next step is the rooms that you're going to be throwing uh, within the club itself. Be um What's the word? Sorry, I'm a brain fart here. Be um, consistent. If you're going to throw a room and you say you're going to be there at nine o'clock in the morning and you've scheduled it at nine o'clock in the morning, be there at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, be consistent. Um, don't just throw one room a week and think that's going to help. You really, within a, within a space like Clubhouse, there's that ephemeralness of it's there and it's gone. Yeah. So you need to be there. And honestly, you really should probably be there every day. Try and do a room every day. Like Michael Fox, my buddy, runs the pizza club and Michael's there every single day at 9 p.m. Eastern. He runs a room or him and his cohorts run a room. And it's very easy, very clear and concise to remember. So 
be there consistently is probably going to be the most important thing after a name. And then um, figure out who your listeners are, like a podcast, figure out who your listeners are, and then give them the information that they want. If you want fun rooms, give them fun rooms. If they want serious rooms, give them serious rooms. That's great. That's great advice. Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest way to get started with it. That's great advice. Yeah. So please, if you're listening to this podcast, please seriously go to Restaurant Marketing Club on Clubhouse, claim your profile, um, follow Guy, follow me, um, interact with us, come on stage, ask questions. Um, Because if you get back to the beginning of Guy's story, he was willing to go into a room. He was willing to raise his hand. He was willing to host a room, even though the problem that we all have, and I suffer from it too, is we want it to be perfect. I want the article that I write to be perfect. I want the podcast to be perfect. I want the video to be perfect, but it's the act of learning the craft and developing the habit. That's how all these digital playgrounds work. And what I talk about is if you think of a playground and you think of a child at a playground, like my daughter, when she first started walking and going to the playground, When she went to the playground, she could barely walk, but then she went there and she saw the kids having fun and she saw her brother on the slide. And then she went and she was timid and, you know, kind of walked up the stairs and the slide and, you know, she was still scared and dad spotting her, you know, making sure she's okay. And then she walks up, she's scared. I hold her hand as she comes down the slide, but then what happens? Like she's empowered. She went down the slide. It was amazing. She had a great time. So she does it again. And like, you know, dad pulls away a little bit, but then now she's learning how to use one part of the playground. And there's so many different digital parts of the playground. So if you think of these apps and you just go, I know how to talk. (laughs) I know how to listen. I know how to contribute. I have an opinion. So whether that opinion's video, audio, written word, or images, you can really start breaking down the smartphone and understanding that when we're talking about storytelling, you already tell your story every day in real life. You just need to learn how to start publishing it and participating on the internet because that will give you amplification and reach. Yeah. And the one thing that clubhouse, if I can add to that, Sean, the one thing in all seriousness prior to clubhouse, when I had the restaurant marketing company and the restaurant week event that we do here and the bacon fest event that I do here, I hate to be on the news. I hate to be on video. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. Like even back when I was in the music industry, you can go back and try and look, you will, very rarely find a picture of me and I'm with everybody from Afrojack to Tiesto to Skrillex to who knows what you'll rarely find a picture of me anywhere yeah. because every time the camera people came around, I'm like, no, 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 no. Talk to them. Not me. I don't need to do this crap. So with clubhouse, when I realized, Hey, I have a voice and I realized, wow, I have some information to give and I'm really, I, I do have some knowledge and I am impacting people's lives it gave me this confidence that i was like wow why am i afraid of being on video why am i afraid of doing this why am i afraid of you know talking on the radio or being on these podcasts and things i really shouldn't be i I still don't really like it you know that we talked about it i'm not a big fan of it especially with video because i'm the kind of guy when i'm on clubhouse i'm walking back and forth i'm taking a walk around the block i'm with the dog i'm out in the garage i'm doing some gardening my adhd kicks in it's like sitting in one spot is like but it gave me the confidence so anybody out there listening who thinks like oh i don't like to talk or oh i don't have anything to say i bet you you'd be very surprised once you get on that how easy it is and how much you really do have to say, you just got to get over that initial fear in a way. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk, everyone that listens to podcast knows I talk about what my grandfather taught me and that's stay curious, get involved and ask for help. And literally clubhouse is the essence of all of those things all in one app because you're curious, your curiosity brings you to the app. Your curiosity brings you to claim a page, your profile, fill out your profile, put your profile picture there. Your curiosity brings you into a room like restaurant marketing. You want to hear what something someone's talking about bots and automation and email marketing. So you go and you sit in the room and then you hear someone having a conversation. You go, well, wait, wait, we do Mm -hmm. email marketing at our restaurant. Now, how do I get involved? You get involved by raising your hand and then you get invited on stage. And when you're invited on stage, you share what you can contribute or you ask a question. 
Yep. You ask a question that leads to learning. So I mean, it's such a powerful app. And I love the fact that they allow you to put your Instagram profile and your Twitter profile um, on the app so that you're actually getting not just an Instagram follower, but you're getting a deep connection. So -hmm. it's not a surface connection. You're not getting somebody that just found you on Instagram because they liked whatever content you put that somehow got into their feed or got shared to them. They heard you speak. They heard your truth. And because they heard your truth, they follow you on Instagram. That becomes a true Instagram follower. Like that becomes a true digital hospitality connection where you're compelled to follow them and find out what they're doing. And that builds that deeper connection. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. Even my likes have gone up since being on Clubhouse. And I don't really do too much on Instagram. I was always so busy doing everybody else's social media. that I, I really kind of just puttered through mine in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't treat it like a business because it was just mine and I'm so, you know, doing everybody else's, but I, I noticed that with these deeper connections that you're talking about, then they're commenting and yeah. you're really making friends. I mean, you're building these long-term friendships. I've never seen this from a social app anywhere, any yeah. other social app, even Twitter even being on Twitter for the last, you know, umpteen years, I don't have as many close friendships from Twitter as I do in the very short period. And this is somebody that found his wife on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. In the short time from, um, from uh, um, being on clubhouse, I've had way more deeper relationships. So it's a very interesting app for sure. And the, the one thing I've noticed too is, Uh, There's always a few rooms that, you know, look, we can't guarantee every single room is going to be amazing on uh, Clubhouse. There's some crazy rooms. I I went into a room called the Moan Room, and they were moaning like a bunch of humpback whales. (laughs) I've been into some crazy comedy rooms. Um, And then there's always the, you know, the multi-level marketers. I've got a course to sell you. Of course. Coaches. So not everyone's amazing. But the one thing that I can say that I've noticed is that, 99% 99% of the rooms at back when I was a first timer and a newbie were all very nice people. Yeah. There was never any like, Oh, you can't talk. You're new. Yeah. There, it was always like, Hey, and we do it in our rooms too. Hey, we see a party hat down below. Come on up. Where are you from? What do you do? How do you like this? Got any questions? Very open, very welcoming in a way. And I, I think that's an amazing thing on a, on a social media app for the majority of the people to be so opening and so welcome, welcoming to people that um, I go out of my way to try and you know welcome some of the new people in because I want them to have as good experience as I did in the in the beginning too. I love that. And we actually, that was a topic of conversation last night on the clubhouse room that I was in. We were talking about AI learning and how we're going to get to a point in restaurants where there's going to be facial recognition software, even if there isn't a server at the table, that's going to know that somebody's not having a good meal or that they need something. And I shared how important it is for us and our staff, even though we don't have servers anymore and we have hospitality hosts and bartenders and, you know, essentially floor captains uh, who play a role of a concierge. That's such a important task in any human connection is reading the room, you know, reading the room, understanding tone, understanding what's happening. What are the signals that I'm getting? How do you read a room on clubhouse? Uh, I mean, so clubhouse allows you to have a mute microphone and you can see the mute microphone blink on and off. So there's reading that way, knowing that person might want to speak, you know, uh, if we're in a room with 10 people and we're talking about something and as the mod of the room, the moderator, you should keep an eye on what's, what's going on. And if I see somebody's microphone blinking, I'm reading the room that he wants to speak. If somebody's talking about something and I see people leave the room, leave the room, leave the room, I'm reading the room that, Oh, this topic is not resonating with the listeners. You need to deviate or change. So there's a few ways of reading the room, but yeah, that AI discussions that we've had over the last several weeks with uh, the technology have been amazing eye openers for a lot of people. The feedback I've gotten from just the average ordinary restaurant owner um, upon listening to those rooms that we've been in has been really great. And they're blown away by 
how much AI is actually out there and the robotics and the technology and then the future of, um, they're blown away by it. They're blown away totally. The feedback's been great. One of the tips that I will give to the listeners, um, because I know you're not going to brag about yourself, but one of the things I love about Guy and how he moderates a room is he moderates a room as if he was running a restaurant and he was the lead concierge. He makes everybody feel welcome. So he addresses when someone new comes into the room, he welcomes them. He does it in a way that isn't interrupting the person speaking. He makes people feel like they can come up and they can have a voice. He also takes the time to look into their profile. So sometimes people don't have their name in the profile um, and he'll go and learn what their name is, find out a quick fact about them, how they can contribute. But there's another reason that this is powerful. It's not just for the newcomer. It's you never know who will be in a room. Never. You never know who will be in a room. And that is the power of Clubhouse because there are some powerful people that are very, that have incredible, run incredible organizations. And sometimes they're not at the top, but they're right underneath. And they're making powerful decisions on audio, video, storytelling, marketing, you name it. Yeah. And they're coming in to learn. And if you address them, you can actually build genuine connections. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some, uh, uh, the senior vice president Taco Bell marketing popped into the room. Amazing. And was like, wow. You know, I mean, somebody of this, you know, um, caliber and, um, ended up being an amazing person that we interviewed and had a wonderful time chatting with. And now as part of the family, uh, you know, the restaurant marketing family, uh, the Arby's, the person who runs the Twitter for Arby's, the snarky Arby's, uh, they popped in, um, the senior vice president. Really? They won, they run the Twitter for Arby's. They popped in. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, How cool is that? Twitter. We loved it. We had a blast chatting with them because we need to get the Wendy's, the one, the Wendy's Twitter. And I know that one is fire. If you guys aren't following Wendy's on Twitter, go follow them and put notifications on and thank me later. We talked with him about the best of next door trying to get Wendy's Twitter and him and Arby's and trying to get him into a clubhouse room, the chat, because they are fire. They are fire. Oh, they're fire. It's unbelievable. I mean, are, they, are they comedians like paid comedians to run these accounts? No, he was actually a very humble, quiet kind of guy. <laughs> Just brilliant. I was I was shocked actually, but super nice guy. You never know. Uh, senior vice president for Live Nation uh, pops into the rooms all the time. Wow, ex senior vice president, and being you know ex music industry, that's kind of cool. You know, you're chatting with somebody so high up, and um, uh, I mean, Paris Hilton popped into one of my rooms once. No way. Uh, yeah, short brief. Did you welcome her? <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, hey, Paris Hilton. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, Miss Hilton, come up on stage. You know, if you'd like to chat like with to us. talk about hot dogs and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Graham Elliott popped into the room the other night. We were having a fun room where we were building a burger. It was a little jokey fun room at night, just amongst friends. You know, um, one person says, "Oh, you know, they'll start out with." what type of patty and the next person adds a condom and next person adds, it was just for a late night having fun. Right. Yeah. And uh, Graham Elliott, chef Graham Elliott pops in. So that's kind of like, Oh, this isn't a serious room. We're just having fun, but come on up if you want. Yeah. It's really neat. It's really neat. The amazing people that are on the app. Um, you never know. You never I love know. that. I love Thank that. <laughs> so there is something, a, a big thing that I want to talk to you about and it's, it's events. Um, events and event marketing. It's something that is very important to me because when we opened our restaurant in 2008, we were in a location that it was so important for us to do anything and everything to get people to come into our restaurant. And because we wanted to build a sports entertainment destination, it really helped us build out our calendar, our marketing calendar, knowing that if there was a live event, it didn't matter if it was NFL, if it was NBA, if it was MLB, if it was fight night, if it was the Olympics, if somebody was a passionate fan and we could get it on direct TV, we would get it on direct TV and we would make sure that we prioritize the fan, the super fan mm-hmm. so that they knew that they were going to get taken care of. There was going to be audio. If it was a big game, um, they were going to get a flat screen. It would be an HD. They'd get incredible service, but every single day we treated as an event day in our restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you're the founder of sizzle dining. I know that you've put on bacon fest. Um, can you tell me about this event background from the music to the food? and what you've learned yeah um well in the music industry it's very unique because what i did was you know i was more of an event producer that 
I would say, okay, you know, like, um, I'll give you an example. So back in 2012, I saw that Steve Aoki, the DJ Steve Aoki was up and coming. He's throwing cakes in people's faces. He's getting a word, getting known. And so I reached out to his uh, agents and they said, Hey, how much is it to get Steve to come down and play? I'm going to rent the you know local arena, 7,000 person arena. Let's throw, you know, this event. Da, da, da. And because I saw that they were up and coming, you know, I wanted to be able to, you know, capitalize on that before he got too big and too expensive. Sure. So, you know, you put that all together. Well, in the restaurant industry, it's a little different because you can work within trends or like you said, you know, there's a fight coming on UFC football. That's a trend technically, right? Because it's coming. So you would just in the restaurant industry, you want to keep an eye on what's it? Yeah, no, no, you're you're absolutely correct. It's a trend. It's the way that we looked at it. It's built in. So there's a regular season schedule. The trend happens for playoffs. So, you know, based off of the popularity of the team, the popularity of the fan base, you get these bonus events that are even bigger events only because you've made the investment in the regular season. That is true. Very, very true. The investment I had made was prior to Steve Aoki was a bunch of Miami DJs and New York DJs flying them in smaller venues week over week, over week, over week, over week, over week, building that, uh, the database of listeners and then you know you can go and do the bigger things so same thing in the restaurant industry or in the food events is when i did bacon fest as an example i saw that you know back in 2013 2014 um bacon was getting to be a big trend and there was a bacon fest in iowa that was selling out finally but there was no other real bacon festivals going on not too many um you know like those kind of things happening and so it's like oh this would be a great fundraiser for our charity working with the Qantas club and uh you know let's put something together and and you know kind of capitalize on that same thing with uh with restaurant week you know restaurant week's been around since 1991 new york city and uh you know every city put on is that put on by the local uh, restaurant association or not the one in new york city actually was started with uh you know lee schrager and a few other people um working with their tourism new york city tourism Mm -hmm. and that's still owned by the tourism and most of the restaurant weeks around the united states are either owned by the tourism or the chamber of commerce there are a few of them around the united states that are privately owned like mine um there's one in uh, Pittsburgh's privately owned, Cape Cod's privately owned, et cetera. Um, there's a few of them that are that we have, but putting the events together and, and trying to figure out like what's trending and, you know, in the restaurant space, you could be talking about, you know, our wine. So it was like a red blend. Is that a trending thing? Or, you know, um, a couple of years ago, we had a client that was looking to try and, you know, think outside the box. And we kept telling them that, uh, you know, vegan vegetarian was an upcoming trend. It was really hot. We needed to get on this, need to take it seriously. And they were like, eh. and we're like, no, you, you got to take this seriously. There's a big movement for it. There's a big calling for it. And, um, you know, even though I eat bacon and everything, I, I'm, I'm still, you got to be impartial. And so we finally got them to say yes. And so we brought in a special local chef who specialized in vegan dishes, put together a four course dinner, went to pre-sell it. They got 200 reservations in the first amazing. week. That's amazing. And then from that moment on, they've done vegan special dinners <laughs> subsequently sure. because they realized it was a, it was a thing. So really well, that's a great, that's a great point. It, it's something that, in events, I, I haven't even thought of it like that, but it, so much of events is beta testing. Yeah. It's forcing you to think differently than your normal course of business because it's an event. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, and you can, you can be as big as a vegan dinner or a bacon fest, or you can be as small as national chocolate chip day. Yep. And, and those I love, I mean, I think there's a food for basically every day, those national food days, and you don't have to do every single one of them. But if you were to look on the computer and you were to capitalize on one every couple of weeks, then hold on a second, let me just, somebody was calling. If you were to put, put together one every couple of weeks, 
you can capitalize on that kind of trend as well. And that kind of an event, you could do, you know, national mimosa day, national chocolate souffle day, barbecue day, et cetera. And those are powerful events for a lot of people. And if people real, if your customers realize that you're doing these kind of things consistently, you're going to build up that, that um, following for, Oh, I like these things. It's a great way to introduce somebody to a restaurant they haven't been to. If you're getting a, you know, free chocolate souffle or a half price chocolate souffle. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful when you're building the, the muscle, the muscle, the habit and the skill set of being able to change and test and do things differently because then you learn how to market that event. And then once you learn that a rising tide lifts all ships and you start to get other people involved in the event, other restaurants, you know, it's one of those things that it's surprising to me when I see restaurant owners not collaborating because I know the power of collaboration and we collaborate with barbecue restaurants that are less than a mile away from our restaurant. And I have people all the time that say, why would you throw an event, 5,000 people in front of your restaurant, shut down the village, 12 hour event. And you invite every other barbecue restaurant and every other barbecue catering up to sell barbecue outside of your restaurant so that you don't get any barbecue sales. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. We absolutely believe in that. It's community, right? It's community. Can you tell me about why do you think, why was it so successful year over year? Which one? What's that? The restaurant week. The restaurant week? Well, when we first threw it, it was an amazing thing because we got all the restaurants to work together, like you just said. And everybody was like, wow, this restaurant's my favorite restaurant. So I'm going to go there and get the discount. And then I've heard of this place, but I haven't been there. And since you know, it's a discounted prefix dinner. I'm going to go check this place out that I normally wouldn't go to, but I heard about. And then they find out that that place is amazing as well. And now that place becomes part of their normal repertoire places to go to. And so it opened the eyes of a lot of people to these other restaurants that they hadn't been to. Everybody, you know, the, the famous thing is when you say, hey, honey, look, where, you know, you want to go to dinner tonight? Yeah, where do you want to go? You auto, you automatically always have three, four, five places in your head that you're safe, you're comfortable with, you know what you're going to get, you know what to expect, you know what the price points are, you've been there before, and, and it's safe. Most people don't break out of that us foodies do sure. but most people don't they, people are creatures of habit they are they even are. foodies i mean even like even we like as as much as i do different things ultimately when you look at like week over week month over month i mean we yeah. get into routines and it's yeah. the way that my wife and i order we have two small kids it's like yeah time is the most important thing that we have i don't yeah. want i don't want to go and risk uh-oh what if we went somewhere yeah. and a, exactly you can go back and look through your bank statements and you'll see yep. the same restaurant the same restaurant yep, correct same, same creatures and, of habit and, and the restaurant week allowed people because the pricing is all the same across the board. So we got rid of the price problem and it allowed people to try all these new places. And then the restaurants got a lot of new faces. And so it, it grew for two reasons. It grew for the restaurants, got new faces, saw the, the, the profitability out of it and was like, wow, we got new people. And then on the consumer side, they got great deals at a great price and they had great experiences and they tried new places and they didn't feel, even if they didn't like them, they didn't feel they got suckered because at $39 a shot yep. well, back, it was 36 back in the day. I had, we had to raise it due to COVID and everything. Sure. Um, plus we hadn't raised the price in five years. So, oh yeah, it's got dollars. You, you couldn't go wrong. Even if you, even if the meal didn't really appeal to you, you couldn't complain at 36 bucks. Yep. So on the consumer side, they loved it. And we started with 26 restaurants. They sold, uh, 12,000 dinners over the course of the 11 wow. days. And then the next, we did it twice a year. The next spring we had 43 restaurants that sold 30,000 dinners amazing over the course of the two weeks and then fast forward to now five years later the last one we threw was winter 2019 pre-covid we had 72 restaurants and they sold over 40,000 dinners in two weeks that's incredible yeah that is absolutely incredible case study of success of doing things the right way 
And we added a charity component to the event. A dollar out of every restaurant week meal sold went to a uh, scholarship foundation here at Florida Gulf Coast University. And that equated out to thousands of dollars given in scholarships. And those scholarships went to local high school graduates in the um, resort and hospitality management at FGCU. So there was a local component to it. Now with COVID and everything moving forward, we work with Blessings in a Backpack Charity. They feed food insecure elementary students um, on the weekends. They give them um, protein packs of food to take home so that they come to school on Monday with energy and, uh, you know, some food in the belly. So having the charity component helps with the community event. And then the restaurants love it because uh, it's profitable and they're seeing new faces. It's incredible. So not only that, you have the charity component, you're doing great work for your community, you're getting exposure for the restaurants, you're getting more restaurants to talk to each other, you're getting other people to go out and visit restaurants. And then the icing on the cake is that you're creating content that legacy media wants. So now all of a sudden, instead of pitching as a marketer to them to cover your restaurant, now they're coming to you saying, hey, guy, I, what's going on with this event? I want you on the radio. I want to write an article about it. And I want you to come and cover it for local news. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we've been on. Uh, I mean, we've been blessed with that. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much it's been a blessing that every single local radio station, every local TV station, uh, even CNBC had me on talking about restaurant week a little bit amazing um, it, it's uh, been a blessing the amount of publicity and press that the event has done but when you do good things for your community and it's about the giving it's not about the taking and you put the community first you put the restaurants first you put the people first I think the rest of it just comes natural. And it was, it was kind of a win-win and there's even a little bit of money in it for me at the end of the day too. So as a business, which isn't a bad, which isn't a bad thing, you're not, running a non, bad you're, you're not running a nonprofit organization. You have a, a family to take care of and a life to live. So, yeah. So it's, were you, it's were you, were you nervous for the CNBC interview? way more than I was for yours. <laughs> I, is the camera angle right? Hold on. Which way was this over? Right? Was this over zoom or did they come? Was this in, was this COVID or pre pre COVID? It was COVID. It was over zoom. It was just like this, but I wasn't seeing anybody on screen. The way they do it is they zoom in, but it's blank. Really? I hear them but I can't see them. And then I have, uh, you know, I got my big TV up on the screen over there. I don't know if you can see it, but yep. uh, in the office and I got it on, but there's a five, 10 second delay or whatever. So that's useless. And I've got to talk to this blank screen <laughs> and then hear them. And so there's no uh, visual cues. It's, it's almost like clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the guy interviewing me was the judge was, um, I forgot his name. They call him the judge. He's the stockbroker guy. Okay. Yeah. Run the, the big show there. What did so he I, want to know? What was his question? Well, I thought it was going to be uh, about, you know, the restaurant week, like what we just talked about, how it helps the community. And I don't want to be disparaging or anything, but it was a little bit more about, you know, how COVID impacted my company and we lost over 150,000 and wasn't able to help the charity. It was more of a Debbie Downer-ish kind of, yeah. feel. you know, it wasn't as uplifting as this and, and elevating as this and trying to talk positive about stuff, but it, sure. it was during COVID as well. And uh, they did reach back out to me recently and asked, you know, Hey, are you getting back up to snuff? Once you get the event up and running, let us know and, and we'll cover it again as a, as the flip side of the coin from, you know, you're closed and sure. now you're open and restaurant week is going on. So that was nice. So what do you, what do you have planned now that uh, restaurants are opening back up? What, what's guys plan for this year? I see. So we were joking before we started the podcast about the, the calendar, which I love in the back behind guy. If you're watching this on YouTube, guys got this incredible wall calendar wall, visual wall. And he was telling me that he had all these huge plans for 2020. And then something happened that prevented those plans. Uh, we bought this design, this 12 foot calendar and the thing is monstrous. I don't know. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. All the way full backboard. 
but uh, designed this massive calendar, laminated so I can reuse it and everything. And was we were going to do restaurant week uh, in the spring and we were going to do a restaurant week in the winter and we were going to bring back bacon festival again and, you know, all sorts of fun stuff. I got really lucky and I sold my marketing company, my shares of the marketing company to my partner in December, 2019. Wow. Pre-COVID. Wow. Um, so it was kind of, you know, Kismith and, for, you know, real fortunate to, to step away from the marketing company. And then that was going to allow me to focus back on doing events again. That's really kind of what my forte was. Um, so we had it all planned out, ready to go. But now in 2021, um, instead of restaurant week being twice a, a year, um, I've honed it down to being once a year so that it can be a, a bigger event. We made it three weeks long instead of two weeks long. We're shooting to have 100 restaurants on board so we can grow the uh, the overall event and allow the restaurants to have uh, three weeks to have people enjoy the food. And then um, I'm going to do a two-day Bacon Fest Taco Fest event Nice. sometime here in the next uh, year or so, because it takes a long time to plan those sure. out. You can't just put it together. But within the next year, Max, I'll uh, I'll be throwing Bacon Fest again and Bacon Taco Fest. So do you have any uh, any breaking news you want to announce for your the project you're working on that I've been pushing you on on Clubhouse? Uh, oh, my podcast thing? Yes. Well, yeah, podcast is definitely going to be part of that. I'm going to be converting the office into a studio and uh, putting together a podcast. I've, I've got uh, another thing that I'm big on is whiteboards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so i um, been writing down, you know, all the ideas for the, the podcast. But, yeah, I'll be launching that probably 30 days, within 30 days. I'll be doing so hopefully something. by the time this uh, this podcast airs sometime in July, you'll be able to uh, subscribe to Guy's podcast. It's something that I, I talked to him, Troy Hopper, who's also um, been a part of the Clubhouse Rooms. Uh, the audio that is happening in Clubhouse and the conversations that are happening, it's a tragedy that they're not getting recorded. And I hope the Clubhouse updates the app to allow podcasters to capture that content. But there are smart podcasters like Chef Jensen Cummings, who we've had on this podcast, that his team records the Clubhouse audio. And he's repurposing our presentation with Kyle and Sarah from National Restaurant Owners Podcast. Him, myself, Chef Jensen Cummings, we've been doing a three-part series on virtual kitchens and ghost kitchens. His team is recording that and they're repurposing it on the best served podcast. So we'll put links in the show notes so you guys can learn more about ghost kitchens. But back to the overarching theme, and that's Guy putting on incredible rooms that are happening on Clubhouse that he will repurpose for an RSS feed because <laughs> it's so important to have this um is this storytelling there we're learning through lessons and stories and uh today was just an incredible opportunity for me to get to learn more about guy learn more about clubhouse um hopefully you the listener you get to take something of that hopefully what will really make me happy if you're listening to this podcast is if guy and i see you in a room together and you let us know that you heard this oh, was the episode this was the episode. This one was what got you onto Clubhouse. And then you raise your hand so that you can tell, share that story with Guy or share that with myself. Um, because then we know that those digital playgrounds, all the things that we talk about, they're working. I mean, ultimately, it's not for you just to stay curious. You have to get involved. Um, I know uh, I know. Guy gets involved and I can't thank him enough. Guy, where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you besides Clubhouse? Besides Clubhouse, um, probably Instagram. Guy eats two three, nine. That's my area code over here. Probably Instagram's the, the quickest way. I've got my associate tap link there in the Instagram that has a lot more information, a Perfect. lot more of my social media. So, and, uh, you know, I've got a, a great idea for us, Sean, we should probably, uh, I'm going to show you something here in a second. We should okay. probably get, a, I've got 30 of these. So we should probably, we could probably do a really cool zoom there we go. Oh, one chip challenge. Beautiful. I've yes. Got 30 of these. Sam, the cooking guy did a, a one chip challenge for TikTok, and it was absolutely hilarious. We, so what we, are we going to do with them? Well, me, you, all the podcasters, all the podcasters. So Kyle and Sarah, Chef Jensen Cummings, Bruce Irving, 
Eric Cacciatore, Stover's included, because anyone that's on the digital hospitality I'm calling you out, you guys have all been called out because Steven Swiderski, if you're on the Cali barbecue media team, you're going to do it. But yeah, if you're in the hospitality podcasting space, um, Greg Rempe, who's cool, the barbecue right? central show. Yep. We're going to make him do it too. We'll do a zoom everybody. I'll ship one out to everybody. Beautiful. We'll, uh, we'll do a zoom together and we'll, uh, we'll eat this and see that's who beautiful. first. Well, let's, uh, let's plan on doing that sometime in August. Because I will, I will be in Bulgaria, and I don't know if uh, it takes a little bit while to ship over there. <laughs> oh yeah, we may have to wait a little bit. But I but, own, uh, I own OneChipChallenge.com, so we'll, oh, beautiful. Uh, we'll we'll record it and link it and have some fun. I love it. We're gonna do that for sure. Well, guy, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it, and uh, thank you for your leadership and your hospitality in those clubhouse rooms. Um, I know this is just the beginning of. Uh, you coming back on this podcast, continuing to teach people and doing what you do. So please, uh, please go follow Guy and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it and uh, enjoy the friendship that you and I have have uh, found because of Clubhouse. And I look forward to uh, to meeting people who've listened to this and come on Clubhouse. I think it'll be great. I'll be more than willing to help you out. Come on in the room. Come on up on stage. Say hi and. Uh, let us help you out. I look forward to coming back again, Sean. Thanks. You're welcome. Remember, stay curious, get involved. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And uh, if you need anything, you can find me at Sean P. Walchef. Um, pretty easy to find and look forward to speaking with you. Talk to you guys next week. Take care. Boom. Boom.